Switzerland is also a very interesting market to start because you have a lot of different regions, different languages. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Oliver, a very well welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Hey, Salem. Thanks for having me. You're the co-founder and CEO at Nomadi, a platform to book your camping spot away from the regular camping. So before we talk about that, I want to talk about your personal background. You actually studied business administration in Lucerne, and you then worked in a bank before you then joined the startup world. So I wonder... Why did you actually take the jump and switch from the traditional corporate careers in a bank to the startup world, which is much more unstable and different than the regular corporate world? Yes, it's definitely. <laughs> yes. Um, where should I start to this question? I may have a, an entrepreneurial background by side the banking. I already started some other uh, it's not a real venture, but for example, I started with my with my woman uh, a driving coffee shop in Einsiedeln. Nice. So, uh, but after a year, uh, we saw together. Okay, maybe the the gastronomy is not really our business. It was cool. It was a really uh, a, a great experience, also for entrepreneur things. But uh, I have a real big um, passion for the outdoors. This is I. I I'm in the forest since I can walk, actually. So I just grew up next to the forest. I always went to, to watch animals and stuff as a, as a, a little boy. And uh, yes, 10 years ago, uh, I made, uh, as I worked at the bank, I made uh, an outdoor guide course in Alaska. And uh, yeah, this is where, where actually also nobody a bit started. So well, What happened there? Well, uh, yes, it was 10 years ago. I, this was uh, is Knowles. This is a uh, National Outdoor Leadership School. Uh, this is a, quite an amazing course. It's about seven, no, six or seven weeks. You are in the outback with um, six other students. And you learn there how to, also about leadership, for example, about how you prepare for an expedition, um, how you pack food for six or seven weeks, because this really uh, is up uh, in the Arctic in Alaska, so it's quite wild. And yes, there it started. And uh, the the instructor, his name is Red. He became a real good friend of mine. In the in, in the next years after this trip, we made several trips together. Only he and I, or um, some some friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, after what was it later? Eight years later, I uh, organized an expedition for four clients. Uh, for Swiss clients, also on the Noatec River, so the same river again, the same region, and it was uh, mainly not not for uh, earning money, but just that we can finance our own trip actually, because it's quite expensive to go up there. Right. Uh, you, you fly far away, uh, you take a lot of food and stuff, and um, yes, and on this trip also uh, Paolo was. Uh, in the group, Paolo, I, I asked him al also as a photographer. So we have great pictures of, of the whole trip. We were there around four, four weeks on the river. So only paddling about 600 kilometers. And there, of course, you have a lot of time, you know, uh, to discuss, to 
also discuss about the career, where where should it go and what you want to do. And uh, it's not really that uh, that the idea for this marketplace came on the river, to be honest, but it's more the the to take the decision or to, to mm-hmm. be, uh, what's the name, to be brave enough, for example, to say, okay, come on, let's go in this great nature. Um, yeah, you can see, okay, how we want to uh, make nice places in nature accessible in a sustainable uh, way. Uh, this is really where it's not born, but where I took the decision. And yes, I came home from this trip and uh, I said goodbye to the bank. Really just the two days after that, I quit the job and started. It's crazy because you, you didn't start it as a side hustle on the side to your existing banking job. Mm-hmm. You just said, I quit and I go all in. Why was that the right decision for you? Hmm. Yes, what's the right decision? Of course, when you do it that way, you also need something uh, behind, let's say, or you, you need some money to say right. it. <laughs> and uh, I, as I um, uh, told you before, uh, I, I, I also had some entrepreneur um, experience before. One was this coffee shop there. I didn't make a lot of money. But uh, in other project, uh, with about uh, I bought the house and a really old one, <laughs> quite crazy. And uh, me and my wife and me uh, renovated it uh, and we worked quite hard on it and it was a, a great investment actually uh, we sold it after a few years and there where's the money uh, from to to start really nice. not as a side hustle because otherwise i'm i'm, I'm not rich <laughs> so uh this was the capital i had to say okay now one or two years i can survive <laughs> i also have a family so it's not really uh, that you can uh, just live with one or two thousand francs so uh, but it was Let's say I, I think it was really good because then you have a lot of time, of course, mm-hmm. and you also need to do really something. So otherwise, when you see, okay, after a month, there's nothing done. So so what you want is it's really important that you make uh, progress. So it's really also the, the money in the bank, the savings that you uh, saved over the past years and with the real estate deal mm-hmm. exactly. that gave you the peace of mind to say, hey, I have one or two years of runway where I can really focus on, on the company and don't need to stress out about how to pay my bills and how to feed my family. Yes, that's correct like this. Of course, uh, you always uh, are a little bit nervous about the money that this yeah. is always because it's not only uh, about the, the savings, just the running costs. You also need to invest and you say, okay, let's take this 100Ks for the OG and then build this uh, MVP and stuff. So it's already not just the time. Uh, so it's also the first investments uh we, we invested or I invested for my own capital. Yeah. You know, very often we see founders even at the very early stage to take on external money pretty early on. Mm-hmm. For you, that was never an option to consider at the beginning to really start the early days and finance that with external money instead of your own money? Well, if I had to, why not? Yeah. It, it's what I did as I bought the house in the real estate, right. to be honest. I, I It's not that I had a lot of capital before, so there I was a little bit creative because uh, I know a little bit how to how finance works. I, I, I it was my job, <laughs> and uh, yes, if I wouldn't have the chance to uh, to make this investment by my own money, why not? Because there's capital capital in in the world, and uh, for smart money, I think uh, there's always a possibility for that. Makes sense. 
Now, then you also mentioned your co-founder, Paolo. Mm -hmm. You started the company, founded the company together in 2019. How do you actually meet Paolo? Because you invited him as a photographer on your Alaska trip, but you have known him before. So how did that happen? And how did you then find the decision? Hey, we're actually a good team to start a company together. Well, do you know that before? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you should. But uh, Paolo is also the brother for my wife. So I know him quite a long time. Uh, and I really uh, know him very well also from Alaska, of course, because there right. you, you sleep in the same tent for several weeks. Uh, you're on the canoe for uh, hundreds of hours. And um, so I can really say, OK, I know him. Uh, he um, joined a few months after I, I started. So the first few weeks or months. I did a little bit, uh, how can I say, on the white paper, uh, some, some things, and then I could convince him, come on, let's go, let's go for it. And yeah, it's just great to have him on board because it's really, um, how can I say, a lot of other um, complementary skills. So Paolo, he comes from design world. He's uh, really good in branding and in photography and you know, at, at Nomad, it's, it's, it's a lot about pictures, it's a lot about storytelling, it's a lot about... Um, yeah, really, the emotions, yeah, basically. Yeah, exactly. It's all about emotions, yeah. yeah. And that's uh, why it's great to have him on board and also how, I think, how the, the website looks like is yeah. really uh, thanks to Paolo for that. <laughs> yeah, that's really important. At the same time, I also wonder, why don't you have a CTO, a technical person uh, in your team? Because... At the end, you are a technical product with the technical platform, right? Yes, that's correct. If I had no one uh, before, uh, of course, uh, we, we would start maybe like this, a three-person, but it just wasn't, uh, I, I hadn't uh, a contact or I didn't know someone who's really, uh, I can uh, join him as a co-founder. Uh, but right now we are quite on a good way and uh, our head of IT is on the way. And... Um, Yes, but you're absolutely correct. At the end, it's a, it's a really technical product. It's a platform and the tech know-how, it's really important. What I really liked about how you did that, you built that yourself and therefore probably also significantly reduced the overhead and went out to test the platform as fast as possible. I just still wonder, not having a CTO on your team, was that also difficult in the early days? Was that a big challenge for you? Yes, of course it was. It would be easier if you have uh, someone uh, in the founder team, but that's cool today, I think, also when you see how easy uh, MVP uh, yeah. can be done. I guess four or five years ago, that's absolutely not possible. And there was so, so much going on in the also in the marketplace world. Of course, it's not really nice. It's It's not a lot of function at the very beginning, but you don't need that to start. You just need to to have something and then listen to listen to the list to the people, listen to the hosts, listen to the to the users and then um, decide, OK, here's something's going on. Here's the market and then let's go. And then, of course, you also in, uh, invest more money for it. Exactly. And you're active in the tourist market, something that from the outside seems to be quite saturated. There are many different offerings. How do you actually differentiate yourself? Because you seem to capitalize on a different trend, a new up and coming trend of sustainable tourism. Mm -hmm. Well, is it saturated? I don't really think so, to be honest. Of course, if you look at, uh, at the normal tourism world, maybe yes, but uh, 
if you look at this 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 needs about sustainable tourism about uh, being in nature and uh, away from crowded places i think this trend all, also before the uh, the crisis uh, before covid uh, was a big thing and it, it's really a growing market yeah and is that one thing that convinced you to go into that market or was it really mostly your personal passion for for the space mm-hmm. i would say passion is is really a, a big thing in my venture but also i always said okay i actually knew i want to be an entrepreneur so uh, when i really do it to start it to start a venture i also want to do something good mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's good for me is good also for example look at this actual problem at these problems we have in uh, the, the climate crisis and stuff and the tourism is also something what can be done better i, I think and uh, a model like like we do in it uh, on on nomadi is yet yeah, to uh, contribute something to the to the problem we have at the moment yeah understand and can you also quickly explain the process, you know, for hosts, but also for guests and how your business model behind the Nomadi platform looks like? Sure. So, yeah, what what is Nomadi? So to say it in one sentence, it's like an Airbnb for camping and the outdoors. So on the one on the one side, we have the camper. On the other side, on the marketplace, we have the host and we, we combine them. And we work as a, a transaction-based business model. So we take a commission from both sides and from there we, we try to live. <laughs> and you, you mentioned the platform business, right? Yeah. So that's usually a chicken and egg problem that you do have to solve at the beginning. How do you actually solve that? Yeah, that's made the biggest uh, problem you, you, you need to solve as a marketplace uh, entrepreneur. So how we solved it. Yes, I started in Einsiedeln. This is where I come from, quite in the countryside. And uh, I know some uh, some landowners or some farmers. Mm-hmm. And I just uh, went to them and and uh, pitch him. I pitched them my idea. It was really easy. You also take a coffee with them. You, you're going out and and try uh, to to ask or you ask them. Hey, come on, why why don't try it? It's not uh, you don't have to pay anything or of course they look a little bit strange to what what camping someone wants to camp at this land and I say yes so for sure so at, I started with the supply really really mm-hmm. uh, focused so just about five or six hosts near Einsiedeln yep. and uh, there I had this MVP mm-hmm. and uh, and then I started to ask friends or yeah. Or may make a little bit Facebook uh, ads, or not really ads, just some posts, and say, "Come on, here uh, a new possibility for camping." And then it really started really, really slow, of course. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe there's also another strategy to start in other way. Mostly in, in in this kind of business, it's that you start with a little bit supply, and then immediately try to get demand on it. That's mm-hmm. that's the the challenge, I guess. Yeah. And and you really did focus on on very nice spots, I would say. You you focused on the quality. So for you, it was not as important to get as many spots as possible on your platform, but you wanted to get the right spots, the top spots. Why was that the right decision? That's correct. That's really, I always said, okay, the first hundred spots, they need to be absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. This also means, okay, this is where I want to camp. This is where I want to bring my family, for example. 
And uh, this is also quite expensive, you know. So you you you, you drive to them and you have several discussions and, and then uh, and go with Paolo again to the spot, camp there, make great pictures. And but this was also, I think, a little bit the key because uh, with these nice pictures we had with uh, this amazing host, I really need to say that too. It's uh, really great, just great people. And uh, so the first customers, campers who came, uh, they had a really great experience. And this is also cool because when you have a great experience, something like that, you 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 just type it to your to your friends. You. Yeah. write it on whatsapp or whatever or on facebook and uh, this is when i look back uh, quite a crucial thing yeah to really focus it's still we still focus on on, on great quality but of course you mm -hmm. grow and it's not possible to get this 100 percent maybe but still uh, when i when i or we go to new region i always do the same so it's for you really like, would I like to camp here? Is that yes. a good spot for me personally? And then yes. it's a yes or a no. Yes, this is what I try to say also uh, in my team. So please, uh, what's nice when you go camping? Right. I, I, it's great to have a table, a wooden table, for example. It's great to have a compost toilet, for example, and not this chemical uh things you know and so, some not really expensive things and of course it's nice to to be a little bit for yourself maybe to have a nice uh overview to the landscape or be next to a river and this is at the end also not only what i like it's, uh it's also what the customers uh, actually love yeah that's amazing because with your own experience and passion that you built over the past years you're really good at touching the right spots that that's probably also your unfair advantage to other people who don't have that passion or experience and just see the pure business perspective. Yes, I think you, you need to have both maybe. Um, of course, if it's only for me, this platform, it would be even wilder. <laughs> right. To be honest, uh, <laughs> uh, I really love it to be really wild, wild. Uh, but of course, you also then the business uh, part comes in and Sometimes there is a, a street or you can see a street. Of course, we live in Switzerland, you know, so it's not that wild. But still, there are hundreds or, uh, let's say, thousands of, of nice places uh, uh, also in Switzerland that uh, would be a match for Nomad, yeah. Yeah, there are thousands of places in Switzerland, but at the same time, Switzerland is also a pretty small market. Was that ever a challenge for you? You know, when you thought about the potential size uh, and the scope of the business that you're building here, that the Swiss market might just be too small for you? Yes, this is maybe for all scalable business. I would say Switzerland is a small market, but Switzerland is also a very interesting market to start because you have a lot of different regions, different uh, languages, mm -hmm. different cultures that you already can check check out a bit in the same country. Um, but yes, to, to to say, okay, this this marketplace uh, from also just from the business model, also from the transaction size we have, uh, we need uh, to think international. That's that's absolutely clear. So that was clear for you from day one. Yes. You do have to go international. Yes. And for you international, does that mean European wide or even worldwide? Um. I would say more European wide. Well, you never know what happens. Right. <laughs> uh, but I think the European market when it comes to camping and the autos is, is such a great market. I would say there, there we have, uh, have some work for the next years. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. 
Another challenge that we, of course, often heard, read and viewed videos and news about was the COVID crisis. So it really significantly impacted the whole travel industry. So I guess you also felt an effect, but maybe not the one that we're or you know that we expected to have it. So can you talk a bit more about what impact that COVID had on your business? Well, I have really two two sides on COVID. So the positive side and and uh, and the side where we struggled. And uh, when I start with the struggling side, we were just. Uh, it was March 2020, mm-hmm. and we were just uh, negotiating uh, with with investors. Uh, we really, uh, after uh, one and a half years of uh, my own money, uh, it, it it went out, of course, and w- we sure. needed uh, external money because we already had our first uh, employee. And uh, yes, after this uh, this uh, COVID started, uh, no investor was interested anymore at the very beginning. Of course, I had some uh, discussions with lawyers and say, sorry, the world is changing. Uh, we don't know what's up tomorrow. And this was really uh, crazy because uh, I really said, okay, let's move to a side business, maybe start again working at the bank or whatever. But then gladly we saw, okay, on the other side, the uh, demand side uh, was was really crazy. After one or two weeks, uh, people uh, really signed up, signed up, signed up. It was, uh, we just, whoa, okay, the business is uh, on the demand side, it's great. Yeah, they couldn't go and travel abroad, right? Exactly, they couldn't go travel abroad at once. And also this kind of camping was just perfect. So you, you have your own place most of the nomadi hosts offer just one or maybe two sites and mm-hmm. during covid we uh, asked them come on let's change to a covid <laughs> um, sure. offer and so we bootstrapped again another let's say six or seven months of course uh, no salary again but uh, the most important thing that we could uh, yes running the business and uh, postponed our first round about six or seven months. And this was uh, in to look back actually great. Water damage or a fire in the office building can mean the end of your startup if you're not properly insured. Whether I'm just starting a new company or growing fast, the topic of insurance is often not a top priority. And that's totally fine. Yet it's hugely important to be properly covered here. On a personal recommendation, I turned to the insurance broker WSR Partner with my first company. The advice is highly professional and completely independent. As an expert, WSR Partner understands the situation of my startup and obtains quotes from various insurance companies so that I can choose the best offer. They are paid directly by the insurance companies. There were no costs for me at all. Because we work with Alex and the team of WSR Partner, we offer you a free consultation. Get independent and professional advice, whether for startups or an insurance check for established companies. Book your free appointment now at www.swisspinner.org WSR. This is really remarkable. So you basically reduced your salary to a very low or even zero amount and completely bootstrapped the business with the incoming cash flow yes. for six to seven months, just to show strong numbers to then convince the investors later down the road. Yes, that that's actually very nice move because many companies they would die in that situation. Yeah, it it was quite near to be honest. Yeah, but thanks to the to the cash flow we never expected to be honest at this early stage in 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 these figures uh, was great. Yeah. 
what keeps you going in that moment? I mean, of course, you then have the strong numbers, but you don't know that it's going to happen that way when you do have to make the decision because you invested your personal money in it. You reduce your salary to zero. Mm -hmm. What keeps you going in that moment instead of just saying, hey, we tried it. It's not going to work. Bad timing. COVID hit. We can't change it. We're going to give up and close the shop. Yeah, it's really that it's, uh, that you see, okay, there's coming signups and signups, hundreds and then thousands. Uh, and you see, okay, there's, it's just a matter of time where also after uh, a few weeks, to be honest, uh, some investors came back and say, okay, um, uh, maybe there's something, um, okay, we're also with COVID. And then, of course, we postponed it a little bit. From ourselves, to be honest, also sure. to, 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 to finish the camping season and show, okay, this is the figures we have. Uh, yes. It's so it's, to be honest, it's the, it's the need from the market that we uh, went on. Yeah. That can push you a long way. I can. Yeah, imagine. definitely. <laughs> Were you then actually able to sort of flip the table and, you know, get into a stronger negotiation position? Because at first they were not interested. We had your wall to the, uh, back to the wall a bit, but then you actually have the strong numbers to show the the significant growth, revenue coming in. Did that change your negotiation position or tactics in any way with the investors? I wouldn't say that's the tactic that changed, but of course you have you have more traction than than you had to make in a seed round. Usually you, you don't have a lot of traction, and then we could postpone it a bit. Um, but at the end, of course, you have a little bit of higher valuation. That's of course uh, that's clear, and we were at this point where you really can say, okay, this is a great moment to to raise the first uh, round because uh, yeah, it's always better when you have more traction on it. That's clear. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and you also have an appearance on the Hülle de Löwen show here in Switzerland, where you also then found Roland Brock, for example, as uh, as investor. Can you talk a bit more about the impact that the show had on your business? Because some people say. It was amazing. We had so many new signups and, and clients and others said, oh, we actually expected much more and really nothing much came out of the show appearance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was quite crazy, this Hölle der Löwen, <laughs> to be honest. So around six or seven cameras at you and uh, we were quite, quite nervous, to be honest. Also, Paolo. <laughs> um, but the experience was great uh, and at the end, it was great to learn um, Roland Brock as a great person. Mm -hmm. um, he was then re re uh, after the show also said, okay, I can see something's going on and I'm still interested in, uh, in this investment. This was really, uh, really great for us. And of course, you, you have, you're on a TV show and, you, and if you do not too bad in this show, uh, I think also Hölle de Löwen Schweiz is not that bad if you compare it a little bit to other um let's say you know shark tank maybe or right. i would just say in germany they're, they're a little bit harder to the founders and in, mm -hmm. in switzerland they're quite uh quite okay to we're them. more than nice yeah, guys here yeah and um yes yeah, so i would say it it helped us of course uh, our website just uh quickly went down when it <laughs> when it uh, was the the ausstrahlung that's always a good sign uh, yeah I was a little bit angry, to be honest, but of course, it's we're not there when it comes to the performance for our platform that sure. when immediately come several thousand clicks and yeah. we have a lot of pictures on the site, so it went down, but yeah, it can happen. 
Um, but yeah, at the end, I'm, I'm really thankful that we um, were there. Also, an early con, I think, was the, <laughs> um, the the TV show. And yes, I look forward. We are again in uh, as a rückblick. I don't know what's the word. <laughs> a nice review, basically. A review, ex- yeah. exactly. And uh, yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And how do you actually work with your investors? Of course, Ronald Brock is one of them, but yes. you also have other prominent investors mm-hmm. like André Lutti mm-hmm. or uh, one of the Threema founders. Mm-hmm. So how do you actually work with them? How do they, do they support you along the journey? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was very important for me to have real entrepreneurs in the board or uh, as investors because... Yes, in this early stage, you, you you need to call them up and and ask some difficult questions, and it's great also to have these also the famous ones like Roland or or Andre. I can call them and they take the time and uh, we have really interesting discussions. Um, also with of course with Silvan, the Silvan Engler, the uh, co-founder from Trimo. It's great to have him uh, on board because he has so much know-how when it comes to these technical things. And mm. also the InnoFund, of course, from the Schweizer Kantonalbank, maybe the most experienced investor in, in the group. Um, and it's really nice. They, you know, when you raise money, it's also you open it. And it's, as I told you before, I, I want to make something good. And I convinced them, okay, with, with also with the Nomadi Pact, this is this pact we have on our platform. I, I asked them also to 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 sign this one in the agreement actually. So this is, it's well, it's not a binding document, of course, but it's a little bit that they see. Okay, this guy wants to make business, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. This investor comes in also for money. That's that's clear, but it's a little bit more. So we really stand for sustainable tourism, and you you can do both. You can make something good, sustainable, and also something that at the end the that you that you earn money so it's really also the value fit the mission fit exactly. that is important to yeah. you for your investors and probably also all the other partners that you work with yes exactly and that's actually a good segue you also have many partnerships that helped you to build nomadi to the scale that it is today what are the key partnerships that you established early on to to lay the successful ground mm-hmm. for you know the expansion the platform build up mm-hmm. Yes, these relationships are very important, mainly at the, at the beginning on the supply side, because you come in as a new brand, no one knows you, uh, camping on private land in Switzerland, just, let's say. Are you crazy? Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and didn't really exist. So uh, it, it really needs a lot of uh, explanation about it. And so we really were happy that we won this uh, innovation prize from the Schweizer Berghilfe, because Schweizer Berghilfe, everyone knows it. Let or, or on the supply side, really. Also the the farmers up in the mountains. Oh, Schweizer Berghilfe, this must be something good. So nobody must something good. That's really uh, interesting. But I think that's a great summary how Switzerland works. If they see something that they know and trust, that yeah. can be an association or yeah. whatever, then they also start trusting you. So I think this signaling is so crucial to lay the, the successful work to then also open doors to potential partners and and hosts. In your case. Yeah, in, in our case, it's really the host uh, because, yeah, just consider you come up to a, to up in the mountains, somewhere in you know, Sanfiental in Graubünden, and hey, come on, let's join to a outdoor uh, um, 
or a marketplace for the outdoors or for camping. They say, what's that? <laughs> so you really need this, this, this trust. And um, this was great also with the first tourism regions. Uh, we were really happy to convince there, for example, Graubünden Ferien. They were really early on. And what's also important is uh, Innovation, Emmental Napf. Uh, it's a foundation. Uh, they introduced us to the important people in the uh, communes. And yeah, so it became to a strategy at the end to to really work together with with these partners. It's also about the regulations. Um, you you can't grow this business early on just on a scalable way with Google Ads or something like this. Of course, now we're doing it too. About at the beginning, right. you need you need uh, partners. You need to go uh, to talk to them. And then after you have a, how can I say, like a boss, a, a base for mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. then you can start scaling. I think it's really interesting. So it's not only about the, the recognition and the brand to build trust that you want from the partnerships, but actually real introductions to, to host, to build the network and, and your product in the end. So it was really much more than just a, a, a building a trust brand, basically. Yeah, yeah. You also mentioned regulations. Regulations can also be quite challenging because from every canton to canton, you have different regulations about the taxes that people have to pay for overnight stays. How do you deal with that? Because I also imagine from an infrastructure perspective to build that mm -hmm. into your product. Mm, it's crazy. <laughs> if, I, if I were the CTO, that would cost me sleepless nights yeah. and really that yeah. would be a nightmare. So how do you do that? Yeah, the regulations really, uh, let's say... It's a little bit both because in Switzerland you have this uh, law on the on the Bundesebene on the highest uh, federal level, and then each canton to his own, and also from the communes uh, to their own, and that's also uh, a dis is an advantage and a disadvantage. Advantage is of course uh, no one can say okay it's not not working anymore mm -hmm. because uh, each one doing it a little bit different. Uh, the complicated thing is really that you talk to a lot of different people, a lot of different communes. Um, but I'm pretty sure uh, because it's really a, a tourism. Everyone uh, uh, is getting uh, his positive effect of it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that this kind of tourism, also uh, camping by farmers on farmers land, uh, will be easier in the future. Why do you think that? Because... Yeah, look at our farming uh, structure at the moment. So when you look in, in the future uh, from the abroad, this uh, cheap products coming, coming. Um, I think agroturismus, I, I really see a great uh, future for agroturismus, but it has to be sustainable. So it's not the mass tourism. And I, I really see a, a great chance. So that that's an interesting market analysis because of the increasing competition from abroad, you think that the, the local farmers here in Switzerland or everywhere in the world, basically, they do have to diversify their income streams and agrotourism is one way to do so. Exactly. So if I just have a look, for example, this first few hosts, I, uh, um, I helped him on board uh, in 2019. He has now one place, really just one, but a beautiful one. Mm. He earns over 10,000 uh, Swiss francs with just one place. And uh, one uh, camping spot. So this is a great side business for him. Yeah. Per month or per year? Per year. Yeah. 
soon per month. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, per month, it it would be with just one spot. It would. Yeah, would of course. But uh, if they expand, who knows? Yeah, if they do more, yes, yeah, sure. Let's also talk about the pricing point because if you look as a you know as an inexperienced person as I am when it comes to camping, unfortunately, mm-hmm. then you might think, hey, these camping spots they look like stunning, they look beautiful, mm-hmm. but the prices also look stunning, quite high from my experience, from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Is that a challenge for you to to be able to sell them? Because people might also say, hey, for that price, I could also get a cheap hotel room somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is also a very important point, um, the added values for the host, because imagine you, you're a farmer and you offer this, this nice spot. Uh, you maybe build a compost toilet somewhere or um, you also have firewood. You, you, you work a bit, you right. maybe work 20 or a half an hour for that if, if a camper comes. So why should he not earn something for that? This is really what, what you say at Nomadi. And uh, at the end, the host sets his own price. It's mm-hmm. not what, what we what you say to them. But of course, we have a lot of discussions with hosts and they ask us, hey, what do you think? Can I charge here 20, 30, 40 francs or even 60 francs? And we have a look at it and, and consult them a bit. But at the end, he sets the price and we say, Okay, let's have a look at the at the price what you usually pay on a normal commercial campground in Switzerland. That that's around 40, 42 francs for two mm-hmm. person, and this is also where nomadi maybe nomadi's a little bit more expensive. Some places, some are less expensive, but at the end you have your own place there. You, you don't share it with hundreds others. You usually have some firewood there. You have a Yes, you have your experience in the outdoors, and uh, but to be honest, it's also Nomad is not you. It's not the place to find the cheapest place for your overnight. I mean, you also get really a lot of value of your private spots, the beautiful yes. spots that you have on your platform. So it's also fair to yes. to have a, a price tag for that. Yes, and don't forget the culture experience too, because the hosts also, not all of them, of course, but some really. Uh, like to have a talk with them or maybe show the farm or show of some. Uh, and this is also the, it's, it's more an experience than just a, just a service. Yeah. So I also wonder how do you actually balance profitability versus growth? So now you do have investors on board. Uh, I guess with investors, you do have certain growth trajectories that you have to hit in, in the future. You have a certain plan. At the same time, you also probably don't want to grow too fast because we already heard that might sort of reduce the quality of the overall spots that you offer on the platform. So how do you balance that to have enough growth, but also focus on the profit- profitability and sustainability? Is, is it so important to you? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's really to be uh, some somewhere also profitable is also sustainable. I would say so. That's why we not have this strategy to start with almost no commission or just five uh, percent, for example. It's just not doable, to be honest. To have this transaction size when you camp somewhere and pay uh, sixty francs and you get five percent of it, uh, that's totally the wrong business model right, for it. Yeah. So uh, it's also uh, we. we a try and, and error. So we, we tried to, to start a little bit higher and we see, okay, this was very important also at, in the bootstrapping uh, 2019 there. Sure. We were really glad. And now we're just thinking a bit, okay, can we reduce it? 
a bit, but we will never go to this uh, really low cost or or five percent uh, commission. It's always has uh, you also as an entrepreneur. You also have to show not also to the investors that you that you are able to earn money, and it's all always easier to come down a little bit with the commission than going up. Of course, you can say on the other hand, but you you don't have this this uh, fast growth. Uh, we managed it to be honest we have quite uh, amazing growth also with a uh, with a good pricing grid nice what, what's your current commission that you take at the moment we take 50 percent on both sides yeah. so the camper pays 15 percent and the host pays 15 percent nice and it's also about values when i ask a host hey how you think about this 15 percent and he don't really uh, say oh that's too expensive he just asks for other services and say and uh, i sure. say okay um i can for example why why you guys don't build an app or uh, can you help me a little bit more about this uh, taxes we discussed before cool docs yeah. and and so we try to go more on this side so provide more value added for the host and then we don't have to discuss about this 10 or 15 percent yeah so it, it's really the partnership that is important there yeah if we look at your journey you basically managed from being an employee in a bank, through your own passion, you built a sustainable and fast-growing outdoor business. You have 350 hosts on your platform, 19,000 users, and also 49,000 overnight states. I think that's these are super impressive numbers. So, we, of course, you all ask ourselves, what's, ne what's next for you? What's next for Nomadi? What are your plans for the future? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I also look, uh, it's, it's, it's a nice thing to see these figures. <laughs> Um, but of course, we are not there where we want to be. Uh, as I uh, said at the beginning, um, uh, we say, okay, actually, whole Europe is interesting for us. Mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning, maybe also the, the whole uh, Alpine region, because I really hope after this COVID also traveling will be uh, easier and you may travel to Austria or travel to Germany, to France, and there we can really start with our existing communities with these 19,000 users and, and start also to build a, a community up uh, abroad. So expansion is definitely the next step for you. Yes. Which market do you tackle first? Um, to be honest, we're just negotiating that right now. We're okay. testing. So I'm more the man who 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 practical wants to to see, not really just to write down uh, numbers and uh, a lot of paperwork. So I was in Italy a few weeks ago. Uh, we were in France. We were uh, in Austria to to meet people, to talk to them, and and well, in the next few uh, weeks we should uh, should be there and say, okay, let's. Go there or there. <laughs> nice. So somewhere in, next to Switzerland. <laughs> perfect. That makes sense. Yeah. In in Switzerland, you are basically the the place to go, right? Like if if anybody wants to book a private camping spot, they use Nomadi. Internationally, there is a bit more competition. There are other platforms out there in the markets. So what is your strategy there? Do you want to outgrow them and become bigger, like the biggest in Europe, for example? Or because you have investors, are you also open for a potential acquisition or any exit strategy that might come along the way? Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. Uh, you're right. In Switzerland, we're not really affected by, by hard competitors. But when we start uh, going international, of course, there are some, mainly one from the United States who's doing a 
to be honest, a great job, and uh, but they uh, not in Europe so far. <laughs> and yeah, I think really, really need to focus what we are great in, and that's uh, the outdoors, the experience thing, also our brand and the added value for the host. And I think there is quite a big niche still to cover, and there are also some countries where we can uh, adapt our business model, where I really see uh, a great opportunity for it. And of course, who knows what happens in the next uh, few years. We're quite open to it. You're open and see what the future brings. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I, I really like to have you as a camping expert here as a, as a podcast guest, because you must have a tremendous share about gadgets and resources. So if you focus on the camping gadget, is there any favorite gadget that you can recommend to our listeners when it comes to camping? Maybe it's not really directly to camping, but my 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 favorite gear is my packraft. I don't know if you know what the packraft is. No clue. <laughs> <laughs> this is something I saw well maybe ten years ago, as it was the first time in Alaska. This is a, a really lightweight, floatable um, kayak. So it's nice. just about three, three and a half kilograms and you can pack it in your backpack and uh, hike up somewhere and then float down uh, as a, yes, also in white water. That's really my, my, my nice sketch. It's not directly to camping, but I often go camping with it because sure. yeah, you can take your sleeping bag and, and, and you can stuff it into the, to the raft and sleep on it. You can use it as a, as a mat. So there is the connection to camping. You can sleep on it and use it as a shelter. So I would say that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I have never heard about that okay. expression before. So I'm really curious yeah, to, uh, to Google it, it and check <laughs> it out. For the very last part, we also have a few rapid fire questions for you. So I either give you a quick question or a selection of different options, mm -hmm. and you have to explain your choice or your statement in one sentence. Okay. You're ready? Yeah. So the first one, lake or mountains? Let's say mountains because less people and it's wilder. <laughs> nice. What advice would you give to your first time campers? Check out nomadi.ch. Weekend stay or week long getaway? I prefer uh, week long or even month uh, away, <laughs> uh, long stays. But at the moment, uh, I, as an entrepreneur and as a father of three kids, it's it's more the weekend stay. <laughs> I can imagine. Camper van, motorhome or caravan? Uh, none of them. I'm a tent camper. Nice. That's, that's a good answer. <laughs> and the last one for you, I know that's going to be hard, but I'm still very curious to hear your choice. What's the best camping spot you've ever stayed at? Mm -hmm. Hmm. I have to admit, admit it's not nomady. So it's up in the Brooks Range in the northwest of Alaska, where I had the spot just on a beautiful river. A little tributary came in, just uh, had uh, to fish salmon next to the camping spot and saw a grizzly bear at the evening. Wow. So this is maybe the, the nicest spot I've ever camped. I, th I think you <laughs> mentioned it's not on Nomadi yet. <laughs> not yet. Well, this is in Alaska. You don't need Nomadi, to be okay. honest. <laughs> and it's good. So <laughs> Fair point. Oliver, thank you so much for sharing your journey. It's an impressive journey and we're super excited to see how far you've come and even more excited to see where you will go in the future. All the best of luck for that. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Simon. This episode was brought to you by Swisspreneur's main partner, Clara Business. 
the digital all-in-one solution for small businesses. Managing internal processes manually and on paper wastes an incredible amount of time. That's why Clara digitizes everything, allowing you to focus on what really matters, your core business. Go to clara.ch to find out how your business administration can be simpler, faster, and more efficient. Again, that's clara.ch.